hi everyone. Welcome to the Paid Copywriter Podcast. I'm so excited to bring you today's guest, somebody who I've wanted on the podcast for quite some time, someone who has hired writers who have reached out to me, have connected them with opportunities, and they've actually gotten back to me saying, wow, I love working for her. So I'm so excited to interview Katie. She is the CEO of The Collective Source, a digital marketing agency that specializes in copywriting services. And what started as our own solo freelance business has now grown into a company with over 25 writers and is working on becoming a household name in online media. Katie has successfully scaled her business to support all types of different industries and established a company culture in a fully remote work environment. And she's passionate about helping other business owners and brands market themselves confidently, building a company that respects and values its employees and readers, and helping other freelancers find confidence and courage to create their own successful careers independently. So Katie, welcome. I am so excited to speak to you. Yes. Thank you for that. That sweet introduction. Yes, it's an honor. And it is just so incredible how we've been able to connect through you helping freelancers. And then they end up coming over to TCS and getting an opportunity to write for, for the company. So it's been just a fruitful relationship on both ends. I love it. Yes. <laughs> and you were a freelance writer. I know we related yes. on that and you've scaled your solo freelance business into now this full service company. And yeah. What's interesting is we're both passionate about some of the same things. So online business, entrepreneurship, you like me are a Christian. And mm-hmm. it's funny because I think we related on Sarah Blakely. I'm obsessed yeah. with the Sarah Blakely story. For anyone who doesn't know, she's the founder of Spanx. And, you know, she's one of the few female billionaires out there in yeah. the world, but she started as a like fax machine salesman. And if anyone has downloaded my cold pitch templates that were available on my website, paycopywriter.com, I, the last page was literally telling writers the story of Sarah Blakely because she would cold pitch her way into these department stores. That's how she got the opportunity with Neiman Marcus and how Spanx really blew up. And she knew to do that from being a seller and my background is in sales. So that's how I got into freelance writing with the clients that I was able to get in touch with because I had that sales background. Mm So I just like, she's my spirit animal in so many ways. And I know you like her too. And like I said before in the introduction, it was really great for me to be receiving DMs being like, thank you so much for introducing me to Katie. I'm writing for her and I'm loving it. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. I I love, I love hearing that feedback because Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing has really been once I pivoted into, you know, starting more of a company and creating a culture, I wanted to offer freelancers an opportunity to have, you know, this remote community and not feel like they were all alone. Cause it was like, before I started working with other writers, I was, you know, I was like a robot behind the screen. I would just type, type, type all day long. And I didn't feel really connected. I felt kind of like just alone. I mean, it's a very independent career, obviously. And, you know, I didn't think I was missing anything until I started working with other writers. And then I was like, wow, having this virtual community, having just the, the, the paired creativity, it just, it makes it a way more fun experience. And yeah, that's just the biggest, the biggest goal for TCS is I just want it to have a good company culture. So I just love hearing those praises that writers are enjoying working for TCS. Just, yeah, humbles me, makes me feel good. (laughs) 
Um, but tell me about your freelance journey. Yeah. How did it begin? What were you doing before that? I'm always interested to hear how writers get their start. Yes. Yeah. It was actually very, it's a good, it's a good story. I would say. So I started my career in marketing before actually graduating college. So I was a senior and I needed to get an internship. So I worked for this startup marketing and communications agency in my, in my area where I went to school. And once my three months were up of my internship, I got asked to come on as a full, not, it wasn't full-time, it was part-time marketing specialist. And I was managing about, I don't know, 15-ish accounts on my own. And me and the boss were pretty tight. He had all these big plans to, you know, make me a director one day of marketing and just definitely spoke into me and, and, and breathed life into me, showed me the industry, really encouraged me and made me see what was possible. But long story short, once, once I got into that part-time role and we were getting the groove of things, we needed to set an employee agreement in place. He was a startup. So it wasn't, we didn't have all the legal things figured out necessarily, but he was backdating my, my employee agreement. And when he gave me my agreement, it was like, I can't, I don't even remember. I think it was like 18 pages long, which is just like unheard of. Like why, why is it so long? So there was just a lot of like legal fluff I had to sort through and it ended up having a lot of things in there that were alarming and concerning and going to really like chain me down to really only work with him if anything ever went wrong or I decided I wanted to go somewhere else. It was kind of like chaining me down. So I didn't feel comfortable signing it. And this was like my first time as a professional having to like stand up to someone I admired I respected and kind of like stand my ground and say look like this needs to be amended or I can't sign it sorry so that was a really hard thing to uh go through but I had the conversation I held my ground I also had to talk to him about compensation because I knew I was worthy of a raise and so I had that conversation and we talked it through and he amended the agreement and then within one week of that agreement being signed, I got a call saying that he was going to be bringing everything in house because I was working remote because I was in school. So I had to go to classes and stuff. And he nonchalantly fired me with one day's notice and basically saved his himself because now he, I was under contract. I couldn't go and poach his clients or, you know, take any of the intellectual property, which I never would have to begin with, but it was just a very, it was a very sly move and it devastated me because I, I really respected him. And, you know, I saw myself really being a part of that company long-term, but because I like knew my worth and I stood my ground, he quickly, you know, like let me go. And I ended up training the girl that took my position. And I was like, cool. <laughs> so then I had a decision to make. I, I called my boyfriend and I was like, crying, you know, I was, I was a full-time student finishing my senior year or se senior semester, my last semester of senior year. And I, I paid my own bills. I was part-time nannying and part-time working for him. So like losing half of my income, the good part of my income, I was like, what am I going to do? And my, my boyfriend happens to be a very entrepreneurial type spirit as well. And he was like, well, you have a choice to make. You could either, you know, apply to a million other corporate jobs and work for another agency and potentially get connected with another crappy boss, or you could start your own business. And I was like, start my own business. What the heck do you mean? Like, that's not an option. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I just, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in college. Like 
I barely have any experience. What do you mean? And he was like, well, just start freelancing. And I was like, what, what does that mean? What is freelancing? I didn't even know what freelancing meant. I barely knew what entrepreneur meant, to be honest. Like I was, I just, I, it's not, I was always like a very ambitious person. I always knew I wanted to climb the ladder and be like high up in my career, but I never, never thought I would own my own business. Like it just didn't seem like a reality for me. So I ended up obviously going that route and starting freelancing. I started on Upwork, which is a freelance platform for you guys that don't know. And I slowly started to get clientele. And, you know, I really loved the fact that it was up to me to give my 110% effort to clients. I got to pick who I could work with, who I wanted to work with, how much I could work. There was no limits. And I really, really loved that. And I just kind of immersed myself in it. So I graduated college in December of 2018. I moved out of my apartment with my roommates, my college roommates, and I moved back in with my parents. So that way I could scale my freelance business and then move out on my own and, and not have roommates. And so I gave myself three months to make that happen. I was like, okay, by March of 20 or 2019, I'm moving out. Like, and I just, I, I said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. And lo and behold, I did. I, my lease started on March 2nd. So that was a really cool accomplishment. And ever since then, I haven't looked back, I've just been freelancing. I bought my LLC in 2019 as well and was still freelancing technically, but I did have my own business. And then I didn't start outsourcing until 2020. And yeah, now we're full-blown company. Like you said, 25 plus writers and it's, yeah, it's just incredible. That's so awesome. And I like what you said about having like a, like setting this goal, like, okay, I have three months to do this because yep. that's so important to do in freelancing and I think For people sure. are afraid to do it because if they set a goal, they might not hit it. And then they know they're going to get discouraged. But, you know, when I first started out in freelancing, I was kind of looking on YouTube, trying to understand, oh, okay, I need to build a website. And, and like you, I did not know really about freelancing, entrepreneurship, had no yeah. ambitions to own a business. But one of the things mm -hmm. that I knew to do was to set deadlines. So I said, okay. I know the steps now I need to create a website, a portfolio, I need to fill out my LinkedIn profile. And then I need to start cold pitching to get business. Yeah. And I literally took my TJ Maxx, like calendar book or whatever, my little planner. Yeah. And I said, I will complete my website by Friday. Then I will create three writing samples by this date. And that's something I created for my online course was like this calendar of like, Hey, if you want to set deadlines for yourself, here's what it looks like. And yeah. what that prevents you from doing is just getting lost in the analysis paralysis of constantly tweaking your website, constantly thinking your LinkedIn profile isn't good enough. Yeah. So I encourage all writers to just, if you're trying to become a freelancer, but you feel like you're spinning your wheels, just set those little deadlines it's better to set a goal and not reach it than to not do it at all. Yeah. 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 Cause honestly, it, I mean, the overwhelm can definitely get you to just be crippled. Like you just, you do nothing. And I think that especially in a freelance career, you have to, you, you're, you're your own boss. Like things don't get done unless you do them. And that was really hard for me because I'm a procrastinator by just by nature, that is who I am. And so I really, for a while was like, man, maybe this independent type career is not for me because I don't, 
I, I always like was the, I loved doing essays in high school or in college. Like I, I enjoyed that, but I would be the person like doing it the night before it was due. Like, that's just how I am. And, you know, having a career in writing, I was like, I can't do this. Like I've got to have a draft and actually review it and give myself time to proof it and make sure there's no grammar errors. And so it, it's definitely something you've got to like, you've got to you figure out a system that works for you. But I would say the biggest thing is if you want to be successful in it, yes, you have to set boundaries with yourself and just be consistent, like consistent in your efforts, because at the end of the day, cold pitching, right? Like you're going to get a million non-responses or a hundred no's before you maybe get a yes, but that doesn't mean you should give up on the system. You just got to keep on, keep it on and it'll pay off. Yeah. Consistency is so, so key. Yeah. So you said in one of your Instagram posts that you did not really imagine yourself ever being in the position to hire and lead writers. So tell me about that transition from being a writer to actually becoming a leader. How did you decide to transition and what were your hesitations, your challenges, and what do you love about it now? I know that's a lot in one question. So let me break that down. (laughs) Tell me about the transition. (laughs) Yes. So I started, I started just getting a lot of work. (laughs) My workload was, you know, getting to the point where I could not sustain it. I was working 80 hour weeks. I was working on the weekends. I was, I was burnt out and it wasn't that I wasn't loving what I was doing, but I knew that like my sanity was, was in jeopardy. Like I was like, this is not healthy. (laughs) I haven't been outside all day, you know, but I loved what I did and I didn't want to turn clients away. So it was in that moment where I really had a decision to make. I could either, you know, say, sorry, right now I'm booking out. I can't, I can't take this on right now, but I can do it, you know, on X date, or I could try to find some help and delegate some of the, some of the work that I felt was, you know, easier to delegate off to. So I, oh man, I fought it for so long. I was, being a boss of other people, like to this day, my right, like, you know, some of my project managers will joke with me about like, Oh, whatever you say, boss. And I, and I still, I don't like it to this day. I just, I, I, I don't feel like a boss. I like the term leader because I definitely love leading, but just to feel like I have to boss people around and order them around that, like just was a total turn off to me. And then of course the legalities of it, like okay, now I have to get them contracts in place. I've got to learn how to pay them. I've got to get them, you know, their tax information all set up. And so it honestly was just more intimidating than it was anything else. And I was not ready to, ready to accept that. Like I was like, I'm perfectly comfortable right here with me and myself. And I don't want to have to worry about, you know, a writer letting me down or them not providing the same quality of work that I provide and caring about my clients the way that I care about them. Yeah. And I just, I really struggled with that. But then it was like one day God finally just like, it just clicked. And it was like, Katie, I am, I am positioning you to do this. Like, this is where you need to go next. I'm calling you to this. And now that I'm, now that I'm here, it's, it's like, oh man, what I, what I would have missed out if I stopped with just myself and just being able to not only work with other talented individuals and hear their different perspectives and, and, you know, work with them on different pieces, but also just like equipping writers and giving them confidence and courage, giving them opportunity. That's something that I 
I've felt so much reward in and it's just an honor. I, I truly have enjoyed it so much. So yeah, I think I did answer all those questions <laughs> unintentionally, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been, it's been amazing how there's the, there's the quote, you don't grow where you're comfortable. And the minute you're uncomfortable, that's when you're on to something. And I try to remember that because right now I'm in a discomforting season of my business. I'm in the process of starting a few new ventures and showing up a little differently and it's intimidating and it feels uncomfortable. And, you know, we like to think of that as like, oh, well, this is wrong. If it doesn't feel right, then it's wrong. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. It actually most likely means you're onto something and you just got to see it through and, you know, show up confident kind of before you feel confident. And yeah, that would be my encouragement to all, all these listeners. Like if you're in a season where you feel uncomfortable, you're in a growth phase and you're onto something. So hang in there. <laughs> I so agree. And I just relate so much to what you're saying, because I know for me, like with starting my online course and yeah. creating copywriter.com, that was so out of my comfort zone. I not big into social media. I, I didn't want to show up on camera. I, I still have the Instagram video of me going live for the first time. And I'm like, Hey guys, I'm forcing myself to do this because this is yeah. so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I did feel called to it. Yeah. It was like, it was something I was always interested in, but I did not, I was just so like filled with self-doubt. I didn't know exactly what I was supposed to do. I paid copywriter.com got started. Cause I thought I was going to write and publish an ebook and like promote it. And then I learned about creating a course and how that could impact writers yeah but then I didn't realize it would require me to get on camera and create content. So it's just been like this long journey of the, the goal is to share what I know and help other writers. But what comes along with it is me having to up-level the skills that I was afraid to do, which is get on camera, which is speak and, you know, yeah. do all the stuff. So like, I know for writers that I speak to, And what I'm seeing a lot in content marketing in general is like writers are not comfortable speaking face-to-face with clients and Mm -hmm. being that person who like shows up because it's not really in the the typical writer personality. I keep speaking to heads. Yeah. And that's what I want to ask you about because I keep speaking to heads of agencies and they're like, they're telling me like, you know, we're not really happy with this writer and they can't really get it. And I'm like, well, you got to get the writer in contact with your client so that they can iterate like on the spot and go back and forth and massage the message and the client can Mm -hmm. feel heard. And they're like, well, my writer doesn't want to get on camera. They don't want to get on with clients. And so I think it's this really hard thing because I think writers need to be more forward. I think they need yes. to put like, if, if you want to not have that middleman, maybe go talk to clients. And even for the separate than the agency, I teach cold pitching, but what mm. happens after cold pitching is getting on a call, a zoom call with the client yeah. and having that face-to-face interaction, because that's what cements a relationship. 100%. But then I go into these networking groups for writers on Facebook and they're like, guys, like, why does this client want me to get on a call? Like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do zoom calls. And it's like, dude, I know it sucks because I'm introverted. Like even after yep. this interview, I'm going to sit in a, in a ball. 
And then, yeah, but we gotta need time to decompress. Yeah, and recharge because I'm on right now and I have to be yeah. on and it, it takes a lot out of me because I'm converted. Mm-hmm. But you have to do it if you want to get high paying clients because no one's going to just send thousands of dollars per month to somebody that they're just emailing back and forth. It's just 100%. less likely. So I think that's the biggest stumbling block. And I want writers to know that even if you are a little bit introverted, you can develop that skill and try and get better and get better and get better. So let's, let's kind of go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you about Sarah Blakely, but I just feel like this is more relevant right now. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I love it. So I'm 100% an introvert. Like I, I, I mean, I, I'm of course social when it comes to like my friends and stuff and all that, but the way I show up online is very different from how I show up in my social life. And it's not that it's like, you know, a totally different human being, like I'm fake online or anything. It's just that I have to posture myself to show up as this confident professional and that doesn't come naturally. And I think that especially, I don't know how much of your audience, how many men you have. So sorry, men for all, for all you out there, but I feel like specifically women struggle with confidence in business, particularly because one it's, I mean, women are, ta- we're, we're, we're getting up there. We're definitely like, we're, we're growing, but a lot of agencies or, or companies you may work for are going to be male dominant and you're going to be talking to a male role and that can be intimidating. And to this day, I have, I deal with clients that I'm like, they're mansplaining me so hard right now. But at the end of the day, I just shake it off and I'm like, you're paying me. I don't care. Like, I don't care because I'm going to prove myself and I know that I'm good and that's all that matters. Now, if you're new to your career, obviously you may not feel that way. You might not believe that you're really that good. And that's where I say like, that is where the mental mental game is just like, it's, it's so important. It's so important to talk, talk truth into yourself. And it really goes back. I like to say like, you have to be to become, and you know, I like, no one gives you permission to be a, a, a professional. No one gives you permission to be an entrepreneur. You asked Sarah Blakely how she started. She just started. She didn't have someone tell her, you're going to create a phenomenal woman's product company. Like no one told her that. She just had a vision and she went for it. And that's what every entrepreneur has in common. They didn't have permission to start. They just did it. And they showed up as that you know, leader in that specific industry and they went for it. And I think that, you know, as long as you are trying and you're showing up confidently, you're going to get better. And if you, if you, you know, you screw up, you screw up, just own it. I think, I think the problem with being a professional is we take ourselves way too seriously. Like I, my goal in not only in my company culture, but also in my, my, my relationship with my clients and our partners is I want them to think of me as a friend. Like I joke with them. We get on and I'm like, how was your weekend? Like, how are things going? So loosen it up a little bit. You don't have to always show up as like this, like strict, you know, human being, like only talking work, like get to know them on a level that feels comfortable. So it can relax the conversation down. I think that's the biggest thing is just like not taking yourself so seriously, because at the end of the day, you're speaking to another human on the, on the, on the other side of the line. And I think that that's sometimes really hard to remember, but 
I, but when we humble ourselves and we just act like human to human, it, it just calms it down. And I think that it makes a better impression to be honest, but getting online, getting in front of someone 100% makes you stand out. Emailing being a like, obviously writing great emails and, you know, making sure your emails sound good and they're written well. So they're like, okay, you can write well, great. But there's something about when you talk to someone and at the end of the day, if you're a freelancer, you're in sales point blank, you are in sales. You have to be like any type of business involves sales. So you are selling yourself, you're selling your services and you have to be willing to show up and, and do that. So yeah, so much of this is relationship based. And I think that's why there's so much mystery shrouding. Like, how do I actually make this work? Like for the freelancers who, cause most of my audience is freelancers who are really just getting their start and they're learning about this field and they're like, but how do I actually make this work? And I think the unspoken truth and the secret behind landing clients and building those relationships is that it's not really about just the writing skill. It's about the relationship. Like you were saying, like get on the call and just be human. And what would you say, because like you're working with clients, right? And I'm, I don't know exactly what industries you deal with, but right. Like you don't need to know everything about their business when you get on calls with them. I think that's a big stress or like the stress inducing thought that like, I need to get on this call and be the expert. What would you say to a writer who has hesitations because of that? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, corporate America, that's something they push. Like when you go into an interview, you should have looked at the company history and know their core values and know all the things about them. So that way, if they ever ask you anything, you can kind of like weave in the different things that you know about them. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that there's also like a way to relax the conversation is just be like, Hey, okay. So you either inquired about my service. I mean, most of the, I, I'm assuming that, you know, someone reached out to them or they're responding to, you know, a cold pitch and saying like, okay, yeah, I'm interested in learning more. So, you know, relax it down, say like, okay, so I know that you're in the fitness industry. Tell me a little bit about what you do. Like, what is, what is the way that you serve clients? I checked out your website, looked great, but I want to hear from in your own words, what do you do? What is your business about? What, what is like, what do you care about the most to get across to your customers or clients, whatever. And I think hearing it from their perspective, then you can naturally create the conversation around what they shared with you. Because at the end of the day, you need to personalize it to how they feel. It's, it's great to go on company websites and read, read the content, but half the time, the reason they're hiring you is because their website is not accurately depicting how they feel and the emotion behind what they do and how they serve So figure that out on the call and then explain how your service, your skill set, can make that happen. Like if someone's like, well, you know, I just, I really want to help people, you know, lose weight. Like that is my, my goal. I just want them to know that there is a easy lifestyle way to lose weight. And it's like, okay, that's great. Like I, I too really, really would love to know that information. Like that is, I feel like it's so complicated. There's so many different, you know, types of methods out there to losing weight. So your goal for your audience is to tell them how to lose weight. Okay. So how can we make that happen? We can play into this, this, and that. And you, you know, I think just like giving them free advice on the call and showing up as that, 
that's huge. But yeah, I mean, just really creating, making it a conversation, not, not some weird interview process. Cause at the end of the day, you're a business, they're a business. Like it's not a matter of like, yes, they're hiring you. But when I started to show up as like my own business and I knew, okay, I'm going business to business with you right now, that changed the way that I showed up because I didn't think of them as like ahead of me. I didn't think of them as like, they held the cards. I have I have an offering that I know can serve them. I know it can benefit them. And I know that they need my offering. So we're on, we're on the same playing field right now. They need me just as much as I need them. Right. And I think when you, when you get yourself in that mindset, it, it, it just calms the nerves a bit and you can show up confidently and not be so worried about every little thing you're saying and, and, and making it feel like an interview. Cause it's not. Yeah, that's a huge thing with freelancers is thinking that these are like job interviews and wanting so badly to say what is right and what will be liked by the client. But yeah. it's it's almost like what they say in dating. It's like, stop wondering so much about whether they're going to like you and reflect on whether you actually like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, interview like, them back. <laughs> right, right. You know? A big part of freelancing also is saying no to clients that are not a good fit. And I feel like this is not talked about enough. I want to do like a whole like video on this because what you said before about like, sometimes you have to be the thing before you become it. Mm -hmm. And like some people call it acting as if or whatever. And that's really key with freelancing, especially when it comes to getting the right clients, the high paying clients, a lot of freelancers stay so stuck because they accept really, really low ball clients that they, yeah. they just because they're like, well, somebody finally gave me a chance and they're so excited to get that work. Mm-hmm. But something I did early on in my freelance career was actually turn down stuff that did not match with what I was looking for. Mostly it was overpriced. Yeah even though I didn't have clients, like that was the thing. It's like, I was building my freelance business. I was unemployed, but I knew that taking a lower paying client, I just had a gut instinct and I had read enough, I guess, advice from other freelancers to not do it. And I had like a little bit of savings. And I have videos on my YouTube channel about like handling your finances when you become a freelancer, because if you have a, a money issue and you're in debt or you're in a desperate situation, you're going to desperately take clients and it's going to, it's going to burn you out and make you hate freelancing. So I don't yeah. ever suggest going into freelancing of like, I need to make money now. It's like have some money saved up so that if you need to say no to a few people, or if it takes you a little bit longer, you're not going to be starving. Yeah. Well, I love this because I, so this is, yeah, this is like my money spot right here. Cause I, I believe that when, when you, when you accept something, that means you are identifying with it in my opinion. So if I, if I take a low ball offer, I'm basically saying that I, I, this is what I'm worth. This is what I'm worth. And so in my opinion, and in just my experience, when I have stood up for myself and I've said like, look, this is, this is my rates. This is where it's at. If it's not the right fit for you, then so be it. Whenever I've done that, they either walk away, they either step up to the plate and pay the price. Or when they walk away, it's like something new that is totally aligned with where 
how I want to get paid and who I want to work with shows up. And I love one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is Allie Reeves, Six Figure Influencer. And she shared this kind of this analogy and it stuck with me, but she was basically saying like, in order to unlock your next level, in order to get to that next level of like, okay, I'm going to start charging clients this, and I'm going to start working with these higher ticket paying clients in order to get there, you have to, you have to master the level that you're on and then go to the next level. So if you're still taking on work that is on level one, how do you expect to get to level two? You know, like you're feeling your, your schedule is already overwhelmed with the stuff that doesn't even like serve you anymore or, or, you know, match your, your skill set. So it's like you, how can you possibly expect to take on better paying clients when you're already maxed out with the lower paying stuff? And so it's a really, it's a really scary game because at the end of the day, it's a risk. You're saying no to money that's on the table, but what you're doing is you're trusting in my, in my case scenario, I would say you're trusting in God. You're having faith that something better is going, he's going to bless you with something better. Some people say universe, whatever you believe you're trusting that it's, it's going to come through and it's going to pay dividends because you are letting go of that lower, lower part of you. You're not, you're not identifying with it anymore. It's you're above it. So why would you even consider it? And it's a really hard thing that you have to do as a freelancer, but I truly believe it's how you, it's how you get to where you want to be in this, in this industry. Um, because yeah, just taking any opportunity that's given to you, it's playing small, you're playing small at the end of the day. It's so true. If your bandwidth is being bogged down by low paying clients, you simply are not going to have the bandwidth for the, the right person that does come along. So, right. So well said. Yeah. Love so it. you once posted about not wanting to be outspoken as a business owner, but that you're not someone who's going to stay silent about your beliefs. And I'm a Christian as well. And I do find that I'm hesitant to kind of talk about it or share about it. Cause I guess I just don't want to alienate people, yeah. even though I know that it's really not a valid thing because when I look at people online who are talking about their beliefs, I resonate so deeply with them and it makes me want to buy from them, makes you want to right. follow them. And it probably deters the wrong people. But what are your thoughts on like how much to share about your beliefs and opinions, especially when we're living in such like a politically charged time and it's so funny because when we first got in touch, I was talking about a very politically charged time, but now, mm -hmm. however many months later that we're finally doing this interview, now there's more turmoil going on and people are really mad at Christians right now. So yeah. it's yeah. just like such a fraught thing. And like, how do you know what to share and what not to share and who to offend and who not to offend and yeah. all of that? What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah. I love, I love this question. And, you know, I I've thought long and hard about like what, what to say here, because things easily get mis misconstrued on the internet. Right. But Jordan Dooley, she is an author and I'm, I'm, she's, she's more in the faith-based self-help type industry. She shared something that like, it just clicked for me. And she said that we are not called to be crisis communicators. And I think social media is amazing in the fact that we are so aware of everything that's going around in the world. And that's powerful. I mean, that's, 
that's incredible, but it's also insanely overwhelming. And it feels like we have to put all the burden on our shoulders. And if we don't speak up, we're discriminating against, or we're not supporting, or we don't care, or how, how could you not, you know, highlight this? And at the end of the day, I think if you're called to share on a specific topic or belief, then do it. You know, social media is a great way to advocate, influence, share your perspective. You know, I, I think, I think that it's great. I don't think that it's a negative thing. I think it's overplayed. And I think that a lot of people feel like they have to make their point on every single controversial topic or every political stance or every belief, whatever. Otherwise, like people are judging you. And it's like, at the end of the day, nobody's paying that close attention. And if you do have a big following, and if you do have people that are like, Hey, I want to know your point on this. You can simply tell them, look, I, I, I don't want to comment because I, one, I'm not educated enough to really say what I want to say. I don't want, I, I haven't like dived into all the research. I don't know all the answers. So personally, I don't feel comfortable giving my opinion because I don't want to, I don't want to downplay the situation. I feel like a lot of people, they downplay these really big things because they're just trying to say something. And it's like, you don't, you don't need to, it's okay to not say something. And personally, I think if we all stopped sharing our opinion so much and focusing on just putting something out there, like reacting to turmoil and we just started to actually pray about it or we started to reflect on it and educate ourselves on it look into it more whatever whatever way you feel more led gosh i just i think that we'd be in a very different different predicament if everybody rather than just making a post about a controversial topic and and judging you know the other side pray pray about it or find out resources where you can donate or you can, you know, actually sign a petition or whatever you want to do. At the end of the day, a social media post is just a social media post. Like it's, it's, it's relevant for maybe like a few hours, not even the full day. And then it's over with. So I think that there's a big difference between reacting and responding. And we're living in a reactive culture right now, rather than like really thinking about how we can respond in the best way. And when it comes to my faith, personally, like I not glorifying the Lord and everything I do would just go against my nature. Like, because that is who I am. Like that's, it's not a matter of like something I, I believe in, or I just, I identify with like, it's who I am. <laughs> so it would be insanely unauthentic of me to not make it known. It's kind of like, you know, having a hand, like I can't not I can't not make that known. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is I don't, when I talk about my faith, I don't go about it in a way of like, I mean, most people are familiar with the term Bible thumping. Like I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to ever single out a group of people or anything like that to, and make them feel like they're living an ungodly life. I don't think that's my place. I think, you know, we're called to love like Jesus would. And where we love everyone, like whether you follow it by the book and you do everything correctly, or you're, com you're not a believer at all. And you don't even know, you don't even know who Jesus is. You have no interest in knowing him. That's not my, that's not my problem to deal with. Like I, my job is to show you the, an image bearer of God. I want to be an image bearer of God. So whenever you interact with me, you feel love, you feel encouragement, you feel, you know, you feel peace because at the end of the day, that's how 
we create more disciples is just by being more like Jesus. And Jesus doesn't judge. Jesus doesn't, you know, go around sharing his opinion left and right. He's just being the, the example that God wanted him to be. So I think that that, and I mean, you know, some people are encouraged to share and advocate on, you know, the controversial stuff. That's amazing. There, there needs to be those people out there. I'm personally just not one of them. And I, and I think we are in a culture that, you know, for like is forcing that on people and saying like, oh, you need to be. And at the end of the day, you don't, you, you don't. So in my opinion, you just have to, you have to think about whether you're responding or reacting. And if you're reacting, I would think twice because what you say on the internet, obviously words matter. And yeah, if you don't know what to say, it's okay. No one's, no one's going to be upset that you don't know what to say. And I think being honest in that too, if you feel like people are waiting for a response from you say, look, I don't know what to say on this and that's okay. I'm, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm, I'm consuming in the information. I'm feeling these feelings, but I don't, I don't have the answers, (laughs) you know, no comment. So yeah, that would, that would be my, my advice for how to deal with the, the controversial topics that go around the internet on a daily basis. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's so relevant because whether you're a writer who's on Instagram or LinkedIn, which LinkedIn used to be known as this big corporate, like buttoned up situation, people are absolutely screeching on every platform. And it does make you feel like, what do I do here? Am I going to start joining in the conversation? Cause I see the people who I look up to and even like the clients are trying to pitch they're out there with their views and it's like do I have to do that and my opinion is that we're like as writers we are like very we're we're very familiar with nuance and we research 18 different sides of one topic Mm -hmm. so to come out with such a staunch opinion on every single thing it's like counterintuitive to like the analytical people that we are, who we go deep on subjects, like to be a writer, you have to have that type of mind that looks at so many different sides of things and realizes that the world isn't so black and white and takes every side into account and says, wow, this is a complex issue, Mm -hmm. not, you know, something that you can just propose and and the worst thing of what you were saying before of like everyone needs to react with like a post as soon as something comes out is that unfortunately posting makes you feel like you've done something and while it does add to the conversation which like you know discourse is really important and that's how changes eventually do get made I think it stops people from really going deeper like you said and like hey volunteering for that organization and and sacrificing your time effort and skills towards the causes that you really like because you can't really go deep and make an impact on an issue on every single issue you kind of do have to be a little bit more targeted and yeah. she was like I know for me I care deeply about mental health and like children who are abandoned so that's where I give my time it, yeah. and that's what I get involved in and on, like on a real life basis where mm-hmm. I am meeting with somebody that I'm helping and providing mentorship services, that's a very different demand on me versus just putting a social media post up. For sure. For sure. And I think too, 
it's one of those things where you 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 can't know what to say all the time and i think that when when you're a professional when you're showing up as a as a professional you have a choice to make you can either niche down very much so which most writers do you know you you work in the fitness industry or you work in the health and wellness industry whatever but when you start now making known your political views and you know these different controversial topics and all these things it unfortunately is dividing people that's just the truth of it it's i mean people are like oop i like you i agree with you or nope i don't like you i don't agree with you and it can determine whether they want to move forward with you if they want to work with you and so i say like think long and hard about like if that matters to you because personally i don't care whether you you represent what the elephant the donkey those are the two i think I don't, I'm not even like politically sound, to be honest. I don't care like what you, what you promote. I, I, it does not change how I feel about you. When I get to know someone, if you're kind, if you have a great service and you're bringing value to certain people, if you're living your life on purpose and you treat me with respect, I'm going to treat you with respect. We do not have to agree on every single topic and, and belief and everything. Like and that was one thing, you know, making, making our company known as faith-based, that was a decision I really thought about, like, okay, do I really want to put that out there? Because I don't want to turn away non-believers. I don't, I, I mean, half the time, I don't even go there with clients, like whether they're a believer or not, you know, it's not like something that always gets brought up. But for me, it was like, you know what? I want this business to bring glory to God. I want people to know that that's where my intention lies. That's the foundation of this brand. And especially building a company, I wanted our writers to know that as well, that we are a Christian culture and you're going to, you're going to hear, you know, some prayers here and then you're going to, you know, get Bible verses and stuff. So, you know, I had to make it known to some extent, but I just think that you have to decide, okay, do you want to turn someone away because they might not agree with you or are you that person that you're not willing to work with someone because they don't agree with you? Because I think that that's really the problem with our, our society right now is we, we judge people based on every opinion. And if they don't align is exactly with ours, then we're, we're, we're not interested in working with them. We're not interested in talking to them. And I just think that that goes totally against our entire, our entire country belief system. Like we were the, we're it's freedom. Like that's, we're meant to have our own opinions and our own rights. And yeah, it's just, it's one of those things like as a professional, I would recommend like before you speak up on something, think about what it could maybe do to your reputation. Not that you shouldn't, you should, you know, hold back on something that you want to share about. But I think if you are going to make yourself known on certain controversial topics, maybe make it known too that you don't care whether, which side you're on. Always go about it in a respectable way, you know, don't, don't attack the other side. I think that's the biggest thing. If you're going to speak on these, these, these topics, just don't, don't come at it from a very attacking standpoint because it's just, it's just not necessary. <laughs> it's just plain out, not necessary. And it's going to jeopardize your reputation 100%. So I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So what do you think makes a great freelance copywriter and what is some advice for the newer writers out there who are just trying to get their freelance business off the ground? Yeah. Love this question. Three things come to mind 
right off the bat when it comes to just like being a good freelancer, copywriter, specifically really freelancer in general, but consistency is one. You have to be consistent. You have to continue to show up even when your results aren't showing it, or you don't feel like it, or you're not, you don't feel like you're attracting the right people or getting the followers you want or whatever the case, you just have to be consistent in anything you do. It is 100% like building a muscle. You have to work it out. Otherwise it's not going to grow. Same thing with your, with your freelance business. So that would be the first one. And then secondly, I would say taking initiative. This can mean a number of different things, but putting yourself out there, like, like, like we talked about, you know, reaching out to people, doing the cold pitches, getting on, getting on social media and, and marketing yourself, making, making your services known. And then I think the one that's often forgotten with this is like, when you actually have a client, make it known all the other things that you can do. Like if you if you're doing email marketing for them, but you also know how to write website copy or sales pages or, you know, social media copy, they're not necessarily going to know that you might've sent them to your website, but people are a one track mind. They're not going to remember every little detail about you just because you expose it to them once. So if you get a client that you think you could potentially help on other things, make that known, take the initiative to say, Hey, by the way, you know, if, if you ever need landing page copy, like that's also something I, I offer. I think just like reiterating what you do is huge. And then it, another way to take initiative is when a client comes to you about another project, be ready to take it on. If it aligns with obviously your rates and your time and availability, be the yes man in the beginning. In my opinion, I think that that's really important. There's a, like, be the yes man for the right opportunities, of course. But, you know, I think that that was one thing that separated me in the beginning was I've always, well, TCS in general, we've always been known as a quick turnaround. So, you know, a lot of copywriters, you have to book out in advance, especially for something like website copy. You know, it's like, okay, you got to get my schedule. I'm, I'm, I'm taking on clients in fall 2020 two or whatever. So the one thing like I, personally for me, it was like, I don't, I don't want people to have to wait. I want, if they're ready to act, I want to be able to service them. So like figure out what your differentiator is and how, what, what ways you can take initiative differently compared to the next writer or freelancer. And then the third one is serve well. At the end of the day, you are a service-based provider and your service is at, it's everything. It, it literally is the the entire purpose of all of this. So everything that you put out there should be high quality. You should be proud of the work that you're doing and you should serve the client the way that they want to be served. I don't know how many times like my, 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 my relationships with every client and partners looks a little different because I tailor it to their needs and their personality. I go out of my way to, you know, I have one client where we text and she sends me pictures of her baby and we're on a more personal note. And then I have clients where it's strictly email and I only email them when I know I have something important to share with them. So you've got to read your audience, know who you're working with, know, yeah, know who you're dealing with and serve them the way that you know that they would like to be served. And if you don't know how, ask them, what do you prefer? Do you prefer communication over email? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Should I reach out to you in this way? Have organization in the way that you service. So that way everyone knows the expectations and they can, they can feel good about it. And then in terms of advice, like for newer writers and just how to get your business off the ground mindset, we've talked a lot about mindset on this call. And, you know, it's one of those things like I feel like people get disappointed when they hear that. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, I've heard that a million times. Like, got to get my mind right. But it is 
it is essential. I mean, it is truly the building blocks of being successful because you do, you have to fake it till you make it kind of, you're showing up as this professional and you believe in yourself, but you know, maybe there hasn't been that many people that have believed in you. So you have to get your mind right. You have to set that expectation of, you know what? I can do this. I am worthy of greatness. I am worthy of abundance and these high ticket clients. I can do this. And whenever you get your mind right, everything else starts to follow. So that's huge. And then one thing that I think this was just on my heart to share today. I wasn't expecting to, to share it, but figuring out core values for yourself. I think that this is really big and often overlooked and, you know, like skill set and I don't know, like reliability. Like, you know, a lot of people come up with these generic core values. And I really want you to brainstorm the values that you want to, to represent as your freelancing career, because at the end of the day, this is what you will stand by. This is what you're going to put up with. This is how you're going to lead and how you service. This is the people that you're going to attract. They're going to hopefully have the same values that you do. So this is huge. And, you know, one thing for me is I'll never, I'll never sacrifice a paycheck for my morals. That's one of my core values. And I actually had this experience. It was a test straight from God. It was in my first year of freelancing. I had just moved out on my own and I needed money because I was paying my own bills, my, my big girl bills, living on my own and all the things. And I got this opportunity to work on this app and create like a social campaign, copy, like copy campaign for this application that was coming out. I applied to the job without knowing what the application was just because it was a great price point. And so I applied to it thinking, okay, I'll get more information once if he's interested in maybe going forward. He sent me the offer like ASAP. This is back on Upwork days. So you apply to a job and then they can offer you the job. And he just wanted me to get started. Like no questions asked. And then started sending me the, the brand guidelines and all these things. And I was like, oh my God, I just landed the biggest flat rate project I had had in my freelancing career. So I open up the brand guidelines and it is an app for swinger, like a swinger community. Okay. So, yep. Yep. So it's like, <laughs> I was like, Oh God. So I they, like, there I was, I, I knew I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I can't write on this. Like I knew immediately, like I can't be the one to promote this. I just can't. But yet there was also a part of me that was like, but no one will know it's me. Like no one will actually know I wrote it because it's writing on behalf of the company. Like I never have to make it known that this was me. I can just get paid and get out. And you know, that, that there was like that little voice in my head, like you need this, you need this opportunity. Like this is a huge opportunity. You could crush it. It's easy. Like, just do it. Like, don't worry about like your morals, like whatever. No one's going to know. No one's going to hold you to it. And gosh, I, I knew that that would be a mistake if I went forward with it. So I told him, look, I appreciate the opportunity, but after looking further into your product and service or whatever your app, I just, I personally don't feel comfortable moving forward with this. So best of luck. And I declined the opportunity and I kid you not, not even 24, 24 hours later, another job that I had applied to like earlier that week, which if you're on Upwork, typically if you don't hear back within like a couple days, you're probably not going to get the job because they act fast. And this was one I had applied like 
maybe over a week ago. So I thought it was definitely out the door and it was double the project that I had just declined. And they reached out, sent me the offer, no questions asked. And it was completely aligned with the type of industry I wanted to work with, the type of writing I wanted to do. And it was like that moment of just like total, total, just like I knew I was being carried. I knew that I would be blessed if I just stuck to what I believed in, what I stood by. And I think that that's huge. Like, and, and this goes back to, you know, the controversial topics and all the things like figure out what you value, figure out what matters to you. And at the end of the day, you're going to get opportunities that align with that, but you have to stand by them because if you don't, and you start going all over the place, the, the universe, the God, he doesn't know what you want at that point. He's just, you're just kind of taking whatever. So I think making it known what you value is, is something definitely overlooked that is really, really important. And it'll guide you in your career and it'll open up doors that you might not even know that you are called to yet, but because you've made these values known, it's going to just slowly get you to that, that next level and align with where you want to go, which is, which is really cool to witness once you get to look back and be like, wow, I was there and now I'm here and everything just all, it's all full circle. So that would be my, my, my little free tips of advice. But one thing I'm really excited to share, and this is my first time announcing it. I am actually going to be releasing a guide to freelancing. It's going to be called the philosophy of freelancing. And it's basically going to be the fundamental knowledge and disciplines you need in order to be a successful and profitable freelancer. So I'll share more details into my story in this guide. We're going to be going over how to know your worth and structure your pricing. We're going to talk about mindset, obviously a lot different ways to pitch to clients and make yourself known, how to market yourself online, how to deal with imposter syndrome and fraud, how to niche down all the things, all the things that every freelancer wonders about and wants the answers to will be in this, in this guide, which I'm hoping to come out in August. I don't know what date yet, so don't hold me to a date yet, but that's my plan. And I'm really excited to just serve this, this type of audience because I I've been there, you know, I've been there and I know how uneasy it can feel and scary and just overwhelming. And I don't think it's talked about enough how alone it can feel. So any little bit of advice that I can give, I'd love to. So we're going to have a subscription to get on the wait list for when it releases at the end of these show notes. And on there, I asked a question as well on what you, what you, what you want to hope to gain from this guide. And I really love if you filled that out as well, just because that will help me in, in finalizing the, the product. It's, it's just about done, but there's time to obviously add in some more some more nuggets of advice. If you guys, if you guys answer questions that I'm like, Oh, okay. They want more of that. So yeah, really excited to um, just see how that does and, and provide more value to I have, freelancers. Yeah. I have the landing page up right now. It's an awesome hey. landing page. It's so funny because you have such like an eye for design and aesthetics and I am the <laughs> opposite, like it's disgusting. I just oh God, no. I go on Canva and I'm like, this color seems cool. Like it's a mess, but you're so like streamlined, but oh my God, I'm really excited you. to share this link with everybody. And some of the questions that you did want to know is like, okay, what are you looking to gain to the resource? And it's, yeah. are you looking for clarity and confidence that you can do this full-time growth hacks and marketing tips on how to attract ideal clients? 
completely new to this, need all the advice I can get, or I need a little bit of it. And by little, I mean a lot of it. <laughs> but I think for the audience that you're going to reach on my podcast, yeah. the clarity and confidence that I can do this full time will be huge. I think that's the biggest, that's what helped me take the leap mm-hmm. was someone online showing me that this could be done full time. Otherwise I would not have been able to do it because I'm very practical and very like risk averse. And if I didn't think I could pay my bills doing this, I would not have done it. So I think that'll be so key and marketing tips is going to be huge too, because how to get out there and get clients is one of the biggest stumbling blocks. And Mm -hmm. I know when I went to create my online course, 30 days to paid, I was like, well, I'm just going to do this roadmap, like start here and here. But then I realized the major issue that freelancers, freelance writers specifically struggle with is how to get clients when you're just starting out. And I teach cold pitching. It's just one tool out of the whole ecosystem of how to get yourself out there as a freelance writer. Like there are other ways to do it, but because I have a sales background, I focused on cold pitching because I just yeah. knew it really well. And I think writers out there want to know, okay, there's cold pitching, but what else can I be doing? And right. that's sure. where, you know, I think there's a huge hole to fill in the yeah. information gap. So I'm super, it. super excited. And I can't wait for you guys. I'll have the link below this episode, whether you're listening on podcast or whether you're listening on YouTube, you will see that beautiful landing page. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. It was so much fun. I'm so honored to, yeah, just have the opportunity to share my, my thoughts and advice on your platform. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and just, yeah, believing, believing in me and what I have to say, definitely love getting connected with you and just, yeah, the ways that we've been able to, you know, benefit our audiences and cross promote them to each other. I'm excited to see how it brings value to aspiring freelancers. Cause I, I know, I remember those days, like they were yesterday and it's not easy. <laughs> yes, for sure. Make sure you follow Katie on Instagram for all the marketing and freelance tips and follow the collective source emerging online community. I'll have links to that too. And Katie, yes. thank you so much. Of course. Yes. Thank you.